let's go to Acts 18. That is what the what you just heard is about. Paul in Corinth and the beginning of the church in Corinth, the letter to the two letters to the Corinthians sent there. And these are the very words of God to you and to me. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy, and his wife Priscilla, because Claudius the emperor had commanded that all the Jews leave Rome. And Paul went to see them, and because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade the Jews and the Greeks or Gentiles. When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that the Christ is Jesus. And when they opposed and reviled him, he shook out his garments and he said to them, your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent. And from now on, I will go to the Gentiles. And he left there. And he went to the house of a man named Titius Justus, a worshiper of God, a Gentile. His house was right next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord together with his entire household. And many of the Corinthians, hearing Paul, believed and were baptized. And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Do not be afraid, but go on speaking, and do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many people in this city. And he stayed a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. Christianity is that narrow religion. Therefore, it is bigoted and oppressive. Christianity is that religion for simple people with simple minds who don't want to think about science and such. Christianity is a religion of hypocrites. Haven't you read about the abuse in the Catholic Church? And just last week, about all the sexual abuse in the Southern Baptist Church and other churches, we are sure. Why would I want to be a part of that? That is how whole sections of our population now view Christianity. That is how a whole lot of the media report out what Christianity is actually like. And does all of this make you want to step to the front of the class and become a mouthpiece for the Christian faith? 
that can be a tad intimidating. It's always been intimidating to, to speak with people and to actually bring up the notion that everybody has fallen short of the glory of God. Everyone is a sinner that needs the action of God on our behalf. The grace of God Maybe a tad more intimidating now than it was even five years ago. And then if you're Paul in the city of Corinth and you've just gotten there, well, you've been beat up or banished from the last five places you've gone to. And are you going to open your mouth again? Not to mention that Corinth vying with Athens to be the leading city in in what we now call Greece, the the region of of Achaia at that time. Corinth was amazing. It's an isthmus, has two ports, one on each side. Incredible cosmopolitan city. Not to mention there are tens of thousands of people in that city and there's like this little double handful of believers. I mean, what does it matter? Who am I? I mean, can can you imagine being a a missionary in Japan? Think about Tokyo or or Nagoya where where Tom and Teresa are. 1% believers. Japan alone has 9.3 million. I mean, excuse me, Tokyo alone has 9.3 million people. I mean, you you think you you might have a feeling, a little bit of a feeling of, of just overwhelmedness in being a witness for Jesus Christ. So what about you? I mean, minus the beatings that Paul experienced, minus the the, the ejections from cities for, for talking about Jesus, do you ever feel discouraged about sharing your faith? About being a missionary for Christ right here in the greater Jackson area? Well, let me tell you, if you do, you're in great company We're going to find that out this morning in Acts 18. And you're in great company, not just with the Apostle Paul, but you're in great company with the missionaries we support as well. Because they also struggle right where they are with the same thing that we do. I think this story of Paul and what God told him in Acts 18 is a very important passage in the entire new testament about missions so paul left athens wasn't a great departure paul rolls into this this city of corinth i mean this city was actually kind of refounded by julius caesar in bc 39 it's kind of the new upcoming city you know, I swear all the, all this new development, all this business, all this is going, this kind of growing new cultural hotspot, kind of outstripping Athens in its growth. And he rolls into Corinth. He's broke. He didn't have a penny. And by God's grace and by God's providence, he meets these two people named Priscilla and Aquila. Aquila, whose name means eagle was from Pontus. Priscilla was from Rome. And we find out of the Greek pronunciation of her name and knowing something about the history of the city of Rome, she's actually from a a prominent family in Rome. But the important thing is they both had put their trust in Jesus Christ. They both had received the grace of God for them. 
And uh, they had been ejected from Rome for a different reason. Claudius, the emperor, uh, basically threw all the Jewish people out of, of Rome. And, and so they, they go to Corinth. And, and Paul rolls into town. He meets them. Man, isn't that good of God? I mean, it, you think about how intimidating it is to roll into a city and be like one of the few believers in charge of starting the church there. But Paul's got, he's got friends now. That's big. We can't do this without each other. He's got friends. He's got partners in the ministry. And they had taken up the same trade that Paul was raised in with his daddy in Tarsus there on the Mediterranean Sea tent making. So now Paul not only has friends, not only has partners in the gospel in this whole huge city, he's got a job and he starts making money. And so on the Sabbath, and that was Saturday in the Jewish synagogue, on the Sabbath, Paul would go down to the, 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 the synagogue and he would preach. I mean, look, you got to realize that every time he'd come into a city, if there was a Jewish synagogue, and there was by that time in most of these Roman provinces and these, these cities, He'd go and present his credentials to the elders, to the rulers of the synagogue. He's trained under one of the top two teachers in all of Judaism in Jerusalem. Went to private school his whole childhood basically under Gamaliel. Dude. He's a member of the Pharisees, card-carrying member of, meaning that, that's kind of his Jewish lane. You know, where he learned and, and did ministry. He's a rabbi, and they said, you want to preach here? Every time they'd say, you want to preach here? Yes. And so Paul started preaching, and man, did he preach. And he preached about what a lot of the preaching in those synagogues was about. It's about the Messiah. It's about the fact that God would restore Israel's fortunes. Israel under the yoke of Rome at this point. We're looking for the Messiah. And Paul identified the Messiah... As Jesus from Nazareth, and he would preach from the Old Testament and point over and over with proofs and proof texts and about the crucifixion, about the resurrection, that so many had seen Jesus, and this shows that he is the Son of God with power. And Paul would, 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 would tell them all of this. And so, at some point... Silas and Timothy, his friends, they roll into Corinth. They leave the province of Macedonia. And you know what they've got? I mean, this is, this is working out well. He's got friends. He's got partners. He's got a job. He's able to teach the gospel in the synagogue. Then his friends come with a big bag of money. In the church of Philippi, they've taken up money so that Paul wouldn't have to make tents. He could, like, preach and do ministry in Corinth full time. And so he's got more friends. He's got money. He quits making tents all day. And he just gets out there and starts preaching in the marketplace. Which was his other custom. And and things are starting to happen. And we read in the text that there are several people. Like a double handful of people that are coming to Christ. And as he pressed the Jewish people in that synagogue about Jesus being the Christ. And when they saw several of their friends, and I mean prominent people, turn to Christ, give up 
trying to be acceptable on their own, coming under the cross, coming under the grace. This is the fulfillment of all the lambs and goats and bulls sacrificed in the Old Testament. He is the Lamb of God, the once and for all sacrifice. And salvation is for all who believe. And they were believing. And let me tell you something. Things started going south. Because when they branded him a heretic, they felt very comfortable with violence to get rid of him. Just as he felt comfortable with violence before he was a believer and approved right there of the stoning of Stephen and went to Damascus to round up the Christians and put them all in jail. Same thing, they're heretics, the glory of God's at stake. You can understand how tense this became for Paul. They're pushing back. And so Paul, as his pattern, tells the synagogue, okay, you want to hear the gospel? Fine. I've been, God called me to be the apostle to the Gentiles anyway. I am turning away from here. Your blood's on your own head. Love to talk to any of you that want to come and talk to me. But I'm turning to the Gentiles now. And you see that over and over. And that only intensifies every time the pushback and the persecution and, and, and what becomes violence in the cities in which Paul comes and begins to, to preach the gospel. And they warned him to cease and desist. And so what does Paul do? Now, it really wasn't on purpose, but um, one of the early converts, like, when he moved into town was a guy named Titius Justus. That's obviously a Roman name. A lot of scholars think that he probably was, you know, that city was very young, probably was a part of the, the one of the families that, that uh, the emperor sent to Corinth to help form this city. Um, we know he has a pretty good-sized home because it's where the church is about to meet, and it's right next door to the synagogue. I mean, you can go clear across town. He left the synagogue and went next door and kept on talking about Jesus and to add insult, injury to insult. Or is that how you say that? Insult to injury. The leader, the ruler of the synagogue, his name was Crispus. He believed in Jesus and his whole family was baptized and the leader of the synagogue left the synagogue and went next door. And so like everybody, everybody who's been sitting under Christmas's leadership goes, where did he go? Oh, he's a Nazarene now. He's like, what? So, <laughs> you know, this is kind of, kind of ramping up. And, and, and that's how we get to this wonderful passage of a vision that Paul has where God encourages Paul. But see, now I think you're starting to understand why God appeared to Paul in that vision. Yes, Paul is type A, missionary. Yes, Paul is very courageous. But he's either beaten or banished from everywhere. And we find out Paul's a real human being. You ready for this? Paul's scared. Paul says, I've seen this movie before, like five times in the last two years. I'm about to get beaten up or stoned or beaten with rods. 
or sent out of here. And look, Paul didn't like to get beaten any more than you like to get beaten. He was just willing to be beaten. Amazing courage that he would, he would just get square with God and go back in, you know. But he is scared. And I'll, I'll, I'll show you that uh, in a moment. I mean, this is kind of Paul with a little PTSD from the last five pastorates that he's been forced out of. He admitted this to the Corinthians in his first letter from a Roman jail back to Corinth. In Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 2, 3, he says this. I was with you in a state of weakness, fear, and much trembling. Don't you love it that the Apostle Paul, like, like you know, we all want the, like, the Apostle Paul action figure on our desk, you know? Like he is just a superhero. He's scared just like you are. Weakness and fear and much trembling, he said. So what did the Lord say to Paul when he was so scared it was all going to happen again? He said this, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't stop talking, Paul. Don't be silent. Don't be afraid because I am with you, Paul. Secondly, he said... I've got many people in this city. Don't be afraid. Don't quit talking. I'm with you. I have many people in this city. It kind of comes down to presence and promise. You want to write those down? Presence and promise. The first is presence. I'm with you. Don't be afraid. Why? I'm with you. And the Lord even tells Paul in this dream, you're not going to get beat up this time. They're not going to lay a hand on you this time. It's really kind of of the Lord to to tell him that. You know, one version of the Great Commission is from Mark's gospel to to proclaim the gospel to all creation, right? To, To speak the gospel to all creation. Well, this is kind of a corollary, and it's this. Don't stop speaking. Don't be silent. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, Paul said, because it is the very power of God unto salvation to all who believe. First to the Jews, then to the Gentiles. Isn't that great? I mean, that's exactly where we went. To the synagogue and then to the Greeks. All that kind of followed out just the way Paul did ministry there. Speak to all creation. And now God says, don't stop speaking. Y'all, we need to hear that. We need to hear the Great Commission speak. Faith comes by what? Hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. And how will they hear unless somebody tells them? And how will they tell unless someone is sent? Don't stop speaking. God understands that Paul is afraid. And God understands that you are afraid and that I am afraid to speak the very words of life to people in our culture at this time and just to broach the nature of humanity before a holy God and the nature of a loving God who gave all for sinners. To broach that takes amazing courage 
And that is why we have this word from God. You see, God's not just telling Paul this. Because we have the word of God. God is telling us this. And, um, and, and that goes for all of our missionaries. That, that are on the field. Who, who, field, field. who feel just the way we do. God's reinforcing the, the power of his presence. Paul put it this way in Romans. If God is for us, who can be against us? It's going to be okay if God is with us. This is God's will before it is our faith and our moving into this kingdom ministry that God is flowing out through his people, through the Great Commission. Look, we're not trying to ruin people's day by showing and telling the gospel. We are trying to inject grace and truth and life into a world of self-focus and death. Just like the Roman world. Don't fear, I am with you. I don't know about y'all, but I need that. I need this scripture. Um, There's never been a time in any culture, I know you're going to say in the South or in America, 80% of people believe in God. I don't even want to hear about that. I'm talking about people that understand the true nature of who Jesus is, why he came, what he did, what it means, that we actually aren't just good people trying to serve the good Lord. And every once in a while read the good book, good gracious is what I say to that. That is pure works. That is southern gospel, folks. Not the gospel. There has never been a culture that has had a majority, a, 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 a vast plurality of people that know and love Jesus because of his grace. That has never been. And we are in a time of growing disapproval of the real Christian faith. I'm with you, Paul says. Or maybe we could put it this way from Matthew 28. And lo... Remember this? And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world, end of the age. It's a presence. That's the first thing that God encouraged Paul with. The second is promise. And this is an amazing thing that Paul hears from the Lord. It's kind of like Elijah. You know, when Elijah ran from Jezebel, Jezebel said, you know what? I'm going to kill everyone. I'm going to kill him and I'm going to kill every one of the people like him. And he ran. He was in this cave. Y'all remember this story? And he was so depressed and like so overdrawn in every way. And God said, hey, uh, Elijah, get some sleep. Uh, Elijah, get something to eat. Here, Elijah, have some water. I'm the only person that hadn't bowed the knee to Baal. And God said, I got lots of people, Elijah. Chill out. Calm down. I'm God Almighty. It's not just about you. And I want you to know that whatever the cultural feelings are, at any given moment, at any given time, in any culture, it's not about you. It's about what God is doing by his grace. Through his great commission. And yes, through you. No doubt about it, through you. He says to Paul, don't 
don't be afraid. Don't keep talking. Don't be silent. I'm with you. They're not going to beat you this time. And Paul, I've got many people in this city. Don't you find that an odd thing for God to say? Paul goes, no, no, God. You've got a double handful of people. I can tell you all their names. And a lot of them are listed right there in the text. You don't have more than 20 people in this city. And I know all of them. That's not what he's talking about. No, Paul, you just put your faith in me. You just get engage in the great commission. I'll meet you on this mission field. And Paul... I've already gone ahead of you. I've chosen people out of the entire world. From every tribe, nation, tongue, and language. Paul, you're not the chooser. I'm the chooser. I've got many people in this city. Paul, when you look at people and you see them in the futility of their lives. When you see them raising their fists at God. When you see them pushing back. On the gospel, you're not seeing everything, Paul, because there are people that I have created hunger in. They need my love. And I am opening their heart to me. They are starving for grace in an earnest world. They're burned out the other side with all their cultural stuff. That has not satisfied and they are beginning to realize ain't gonna. Paul, I've got many people in this city. You just meet me on the mission field, Paul. I'm going ahead of you. You're going to be shocked at who is ready. Let me tell you, in 1982, right on the edge of 1993, there were some people at Auburn University who were shocked at who was ready. That's me. So I get this. I remember when I, when I came to Christ and people were shocked. I was like, oh, give him three weeks. They're still waiting at the Sigma Alpha Epsilon house in Auburn University. But I remember this uh, Presbyterian guy. I mean, I didn't know much about anything theologically. He, he said to me, he said, Joseph, I'm just so glad you're my brother. So glad you've come to know the Lord. He said, You know, Joseph, I, I don't have the ability to know these things, but I always kind of felt like you were His. I was like, What does He mean by that? He means it like this I have many people in this city. I have already gone ahead of you. Just the people you think aren't interested are dying inside, and they are much more interested than you realize. We just get out there. We just love in His name. We just serve in His name. We sacrifice for people in His name. We rejoice with those who rejoice. We weep with those who weep right at the intersections of where our lives meet folks in the culture. Y'all, that is true now. In the greater Jackson metropolitan area And that is true in Japan right this moment. And all the other places where we have had party and buy-in, both with finances and prayer, to send missionaries to the ends of the earth from this group of people. I have many people in Nagoya. I have many people in Kiev. I have many people... In all of these places, 
There are no exceptions. And that is why we need this word from God to encourage us. This thing we call missions, it is none other than the will of God. It is none other than his plan, so much so that he already has people waiting on us to hear the gospel. You know, I was driving down the road. I'm bad with time. I'm going to call it five years ago. could have been eight for all I know. I was driving down the road, going between here and somewhere else. Don't remember where I was going. And, and I was listening to the radio. And you know how you kind of scan to hear something? I scan, and, and it was a Christian radio station. Don't remember which one. But it's just the beginning of like a like an interview show with this guy. Don't remember his name. Wish I did. He was an expert in what is called revival. Now, for those of you who don't know what revival is, I didn't say revival. I said revival. Revival is when God sovereignly sends a visitation of his spirit among his people to revive his people. To give them new hunger for his word, new hunger for him, for, for each other, for the gospel, for the great commission. And so this just kind of happens in, at certain points in history. I'd love to be a part of one of those. And, uh, he, he was talking about these, you know, like the first great awakening in America. And I won't go into all what it means. The second great awakening in America. And one of the things that happens when, when God's spirit comes in revival in this specific way of like in mass reviving his people because it's a a recommitment to the great commission people start coming to know christ in droves normally on the edges of this thing that we call revival and so the 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 interviewer asked the the expert he said so when was the last revival in america i'll never forget he said uh Well, you know, we hadn't had one of those in a long, long time. And he kind of named something like a hundred years ago or something. He said, but as close to anything that we've had recently were roughly from the years 1981 to 1985. There was a revival among believers centered in college campuses several college campuses became the the kind of the 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 jumping off point for this revival but primarily he said auburn university and he named two other universities i don't i wish i remember what they were but i was so shocked i don't remember i came to christ in early 2000 uh, 2000 i'm sorry 1983 tears started welling up in my eyes y'all I was so moved and so kind of so shockingly released emotionally that I had I had to pull my car off the road I said God thank you that you You caused people to love you. You caused people to love 
me. And I'm not even, I'm raised in an Alabama family. I, I was like the black sheep went to Auburn. I still don't quite know why, how I got there. I think it was because God was so merciful to me, not raised in hardly any biblical training whatsoever, that he just, y'all, he swept me up into his kingdom through this, this revival. And I just happened to be at the epicenter of it. See, I'm one of those people in Corinth that might beat up Paul, you know? It's an amazing thing. I have many people on this campus. You don't believe it just because they're on their iPhone all the time, just because they're this and they say this and, and we're into this kind of this and, and, and philosophy and that. You, you don't know it. You can't see it. Things aren't the way you see them. They are not the way you feel. They are the way God in his grace is at work in people's hearts underneath Behind the scenes, yea, even from the foundation of the world. Don't be afraid. I have many people on this campus. I have many people in this city. Don't be afraid. Don't stop speaking. I'm with you. I have many people in this city. It is true everywhere. You know, our theme verse for this missions festival, you saw all the flags. Well, I mean, it's on everything we're printing. Uh, thank you, Ryan. That's wonderful, the, the graphic for this. It's from Revelation 7, and Clay's going to preach this out next week. I, John, saw before me a great multitude before the Lamb that no one could count from every tribe, nation, tongue, and language. And they were before the Lamb, and they had white robes and palm branches waving, and they sang these songs to the Lamb. And so the nations, the flags just represent the nations of people that will be reached. So there's flags before the throne. We're asking how we get more flags before the throne. How can we be a part of that? This is what it looks like locally. I have many people in this city. You see? This touches down in Jackson, y'all. This touches down in our lives, in our opportunities that God has gone ahead of us. This is an amazing thing. I have many people in this city. This thing is God's will. It is happening. Want to be a part of it? When I was a little boy, my dad tilled up a little garden in the the far back corner of our yard. So, you know, we tilled it up. I did that with my children, but I don't have as much of a green thumb as he had. We tilled it up, kind of got all the debris out of it y'all can see this right kind of made rows and then we went to the feed and seed store we got to pick out what seeds we wanted to put in those rows we got to pick out what we're going to grow have y'all ever seen these little packets of vegetable seeds y'all the pictures on the packets of seed are amazing (laughs) i've never grown anything that even looks like that but man, there I am in the, dad, we got to grow that. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that. Okay. Put, put it in the bag. Put it in the basket. Or as we say in the South, put it in the buggy. So put that one in the buggy. Dad, dad, look at, look at this. Look at this. That's amazing. We got to grow that. Put it in the buggy. 
And uh, just looking at those pictures just filled my mind with mental images of the veritable cornucopia of produce that would come up and be harvested out of my garden. It was a vision of what could be if I just sowed those seeds. God is showing Paul the picture on the seed packets in this vision. Paul, don't be afraid. I'm with you. Look at this. It's going to be amazing. I've got many people in this city. Don't keep talking. Keep sowing the seeds of the gospel and I will show you beautiful new life that will echo with Eden in a way that nothing else this side of heaven ever will. Nothing can stop this kingdom. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. What's the next part? On earth as it already has been decreed, as it already is in heaven. Nothing can stop this kingdom They will turn to me. They will be my church. Just you wait and see. There is such need. And under the surface, so much questioning, so much wrestling, so much sifting and sorting of things and thoughts and people and meaning. So much hunger for grace from God that you and I can't see. And we have the seed. We have the words of life. Don't be silent. I am with you. Let's keep showing and telling the grace of God. Maybe you need to hear the Great Commission this morning. Start showing and telling. Maybe you need to hear this vision. Don't stop. Don't be afraid. I have many people in this city. That, that is what it looks like in a thousand, ten thousand places. Right now, this morning, locally, in the accomplishment of God's will globally. Let's be a part of that. Because God made us a part of that by his grace. Let's pray. Lord, this is an incredible passage and such a challenge. God, we needed you. Our souls never rested. We were in a condition of cosmic guilt before a holy God before we understood the gospel of the once and for all sacrifice by another on our behalf the Lord Jesus that cleanses us from all sin and gives us your righteousness that we will always be accepted And loved in your sight. 
Maybe you need to remember that and rest again in the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Maybe you've never put your trust in Christ and you just get it this morning. You want him. You pray with me, Lord, I see it. I want to turn from everything I've called religion or irreligion. I want to put my trust, Jesus, in what you've done for me. Thank you that even now you've come into my life. Even now I'm forgiven. Even now you, you are leading me forward into a life that has the, the prospects of abundance with you. Lord, thank you that for those of us who've known you, Lord, we're at various places in our fears and our insecurities. And we're at various places in our passion for our purpose that you've given us, the Great Commission. God, would you send maybe a a small R mini revival among us? Renew our hearts in your grace. Renew our love for others. And renew the flow of your grace and love through us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.